I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to Scuderia F1, the podcast that's always up to speed with the latest Formula One news. Follow us on Twitter at Scuderia F1 Pod and subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Daly and Kevin Laramang. Hey everybody, what is up? Welcome to the podcast that is always up to speed with Formula One here on the Overtime Media Network. Mark Daly here welcoming you back to the show this week. It is Friday, May 15th, 2020. And as always, wherever you are and whenever you are listening to this, I hope you're safe. I hope you're healthy. I hope you're doing well in this very bizarre and troubling time that we live in. But we're here to talk about Formula One and there is a lot of Formula One news to talk about this week. And for once, it's all driver and team and racing related, which makes a nice change after all the doom and gloom and everything that we've been talking about, obviously, for the past uh, six or eight weeks, however long it's been. Seems like it's uh, been an eternity because by this point in the year, we would have been well and truly into the thick of the season. And here we are dealing and thinking about other things. And the first Grand Prix of the year is still some ways off, um, still looking like the beginning of July. So Anyways, we'll get to that eventually. Uh, One of these days we'll get back to racing and boy, it sure can't come soon enough. Anyways, wow, the news that came out this week really kind of came out of nowhere. And usually we have kind of a silly season when it comes to drivers switching teams and moving around. But 2020 ain't like no other year that we've ever seen. Now, is it? It definitely isn't. So, of course, in a year that is so strange as 2020, you would have to expect that the silly season wouldn't be like silly seasons in other normal years. And the big shocker, of course, is the fact that Sebastian Vettel due to leave Ferrari at the end of 2020. So he's going to race out whatever season we have by the time we get to, to racing later this um, this spring or early summer. And this one came a little bit um, out of left field, to be to be quite honest. I mean... There were talks uh, going on between Vettel and Ferrari over the, well, I mean, a good couple of months when we sat down here to do the Canadian F1 Podcast Summit a couple of months ago, just after Christmas. Uh, you know, the, the, we were talking about it then, that all indications were that uh, Ferrari and uh, Vettel at that point uh, wanted to to keep going and uh, that they'd even uh, start discussing uh, a contract uh, that that was out uh, even, uh, you know, three, four or five months ago, whatever it is now. And even in the last couple of weeks, it sounded like it was going to be a, a formality, but uh, very much uh, like his former teammate at Red Bull, Danny Ricardo, who switched uh, teams in very much uh, similar circumstances. Because when uh, Danny Rick went to uh, uh, Renault a couple of years ago, he said the same things. It was basically dotting all the I's, crossing all the T's on a new extension at Red Bull. And then all lo and behold, he makes an announcement that he's not going to stay with uh, Red Bull. He's going to move over to Renault. So... Again, uh, with uh, with Vettel, it was a little bit uh, a little bit unexpected because of the the beginning this week. All of a sudden, the news uh, started leaking out that uh, the two parties couldn't, uh, in fact, come to an agreement.
agreement on uh, the terms of a new contract, and uh, Vettel would uh, leave by the end of the season. Now, I have to admit, uh, at the when I first heard this, I thought, ah, well, you know, it's just um, you know sources here and someone who doesn't have the uh, the the ability to come out and speak publicly, speaking on terms of anonymity and all those uh, things like that. So I initially treated it with a, a bit of a pinch of salt, uh, to be quite honest. Uh, I, I was a little bit skeptical about it because, I mean, there's so many weird things going on in the world. <laughs> Honestly, when it came to a rumor like that, it just uh, I really didn't pay it uh, much attention, to, to be quite honest. I thought, well, if there's anything to this, then we'll see something uh, come out with it uh, pretty quick. And, well, <laughs> I was proven, um, well, it was proven um, to, to be true very, very quickly. I mean, it went from a rumor, I guess, uh, being on uh, on Monday of this week until Tuesday here on the West Coast of North America when, it, uh, when, when the news came out and it was confirmed as official that uh, Vettel was done. Well, I, I must admit, uh, I I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> I don't think very many people were. Anyways, let, let's look at it a little bit um, closer than uh, than we've just been talking about. Anyways, so it was... Um, <clears throat> Excuse me, Motorsport Total that uh, first uh, reported the, uh, the the story on Monday night that Vettel was going to leave at the end of the year after uh, the, the negotiations uh, negotiations between the two parties uh, completely uh, uh, broke down. So, I mean, we all knew that he was out of contract at the end of the year. I mean, all the big drivers for all the big teams were, and and slowly one by one, they've sort of been locked down. Well. I mean, uh, Vettel's uh, wasn't obviously Bottas isn't, and Hamilton isn't. Uh, the, the first one that uh, that really kind of started everything off was Verstappen and then Leclerc, both signing long term contracts uh, with their teams. And uh, well, it it is interesting because I mean, Christian Horner was saying over the the Christmas holidays, so it was about New Year's, I think it was, that he thought by the time that the dust settled, that uh, that things wouldn't change at all, that everybody would uh, end up staying where they were for at least uh, one more year. And, uh, well, I mean, it, it certainly looked that way because uh, not too long after Christian said that, the news came out that uh, Max had signed the new uh, deal to keep him at Red Bull for several more years and Charles Leclerc and thought, okay, well, it's just like dominoes now. It'll be one after another after another. And, well, it's, the longer that these things take to drag on, there's always the the, the possibility like something like that uh, might, uh, you know, it could go either way, right? And obviously it went from good to bad, um <laughs> rather quickly for Ferrari and Sebastian Vettel. Anyways, uh, Ferrari did confirm it in a statement uh, that was issued on Tuesday of this week, and uh, they had to say, uh, or this is uh, from uh, Mattia Bonato, who said in the statement, quote, This is a decision taken jointly by ourselves and Sebastian, one which both parties feel is for the best. It was not an easy decision to reach, given Sebastian's worth as a driver and as a person. There was no specific reason that led to this decision, apart from the common and amicable belief that the time had come to go our separate ways in order to reach our respective objectives. End quote. So here we go. Uh, It is... um, and this is what I've uh, always thought uh, ever since Charles Leclerc had uh, signed his uh, new contract with Ferrari over the winter, that if Sebastian was going to come back and sign a new deal, I felt it would be what would be offered to him would be for less money for a shorter amount of time. And that seems to be, as the news sort of trickles out in, in little bits and pieces, and that seems to be exactly the the, the state or the the offer that he was uh, that he was given. Anyways... Vettel had to say, quote, 
In order to get the best possible results in this sport, it is vital for all parties to work in perfect harmony. The team and I have realized that there is no longer a common desire to stay together beyond the end of this season. Financial matters have played no part in this joint decision. That's not the way I think when it comes to making certain choices, and it never will be. What's been happening these past few months has led to many of us to reflect on what are real priorities in our life. One needs to use one's imagination and to adopt a new approach to a situation that has changed. I myself will take the time I need to reflect on what really matters when it comes to my future. Scuderia Ferrari occupies a special place in Formula One, and I hope it gets all the success it deserves. Finally, I want to thank the whole Ferrari family, and above it all, it's Tafosi all around the world for the support they have given me over the years. My immediate goal is to finish my long stint with Ferrari in hope of sharing some more beautiful moments together to add all of those we have enjoyed so far, end quote. Well, it uh, it certainly is uh, true that uh, over the past couple of months, uh, many of us are looking at things in a completely different light and uh, as uh, <laughs> is logical in times of great uh, instability and uncertainty. But I'm surprised um, that this really happened. I mean, it's kind of really snowballed quickly um, after that. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get into maybe what some of the options are for Sebastian Vettel. But I'm starting to lean now towards the the option that maybe Sebastian Vettel may end up retiring from Formula One by the time this is all said and done at the, at the end of the year. Because... Right after that um, was uh, confirmed, and Carlos Sainz is uh, uh, given a deal with uh, Ferrari. Danny Ricciardo moves from Renault over to uh, McLaren to take Sainz as a, as a vacant seat, and uh, there you go. <laughs> so it's... Uh, it seemed to me that maybe McLaren might be an option uh, for Vettel. There was a story over the winter. It didn't really, excuse me, have a lot of traction uh, to it. But uh, th- there was uh, some speculation that maybe if things did work out with uh, with Ferrari, that um, McLaren may be a place for him to go. And uh, obviously with uh, Ricardo and Lando Norris there... I can't uh, can't see that uh, that that happening now. I mean, uh, obviously Ricardo signing a new deal there, and then Lando Norris, and they've been really high on Lando Norris for the past couple of years. I mean, Zach Brown even said uh, a couple of years ago when uh, Toro Rosso were having issues with uh, Brendan Hartley and approached uh, McLaren about signing Lando on sort of a, a year and a half sort of long loan. I think it was for the remainder of the 2018 season, all of 2019. And uh, McLaren just basically uh, flat up said no and uh, said, you know, that uh, it's a priority to get uh, Lando into F1 and get him into one of our cars, and uh, which they, they, they did last year. And I mean, Lando did very well for his rookie season in, in Formula One and uh, and McLaren had a very strong year. I mean, thanks both to what Lando Norris did and uh, Carlos Sainz. I think science might uh, have uh, flown under the radar a little bit, but I'm starting to get a little bit uh, ahead of myself. <laughs> Here we'll talk a little bit more about uh, Carlos Sainz uh, in a bit and uh, Danny Ricardo. Anyway, so basically what, what it came down to is that uh, Ferrari and uh, and Sebastian Vettel, just um, they just didn't have the same goals uh, in mind. Um, anyways, uh, Bernardo uh, had to say um, as well on the, on the topic, quote, over the last weeks, the world has changed not only from an economic point of view, but also from a technical and sport point of view. There are challenges and obstacles that are going to be difficult. We are laying the foundations for the future, and we want to have sp- a specific uh, perspective. We discussed 
podcast with uh, Sebastian, we found out we didn't share the same goals, short or long-term goals. Science is a great addition. He is smart, young. He has participated in five seasons. He is a strong, reliable pilot that conquers many championship points during races. And I believe for us, he is a great pilot to be paired with the pure talent of Charles so he can grow and win. End quote. Well, there you go. I mean, it really does come down to that. I mean, I know, I think for normal people like us that uh, when you see the the, the vast amount of uh, money that are thrown around in sports like formula 1 to to uh, well i mean professional elite professional athletes i should say i mean the tens of millions of dollars that some of these uh, people make uh, in their contracts over the the length of that contract and the bonuses and and all the um, endorsements and advertising that they do. I mean, it literally is a, a money factory and a way to, to, to print your own money. But to say that it just uh, comes down to money, I think that's always a little bit of a, a simple way to put it. And uh, of course, that figures into everything. I mean, uh, they, they obviously, uh, they did offer him less for a short amount of uh, time. But I think at the end of the day, I mean, when you've already won four world championships like uh, Sebastian Vettel, you've been in Formula One, you're earning top dollar as it is, that maybe when it comes to the... <clears throat> excuse me, the value of the contract maybe isn't the top thing. Obviously, I think that from a reputation point of view, that uh, if you're seen to take a a really hefty or significant pay cut, that uh, may not uh, be good for your reputation in that regard. So I think it definitely uh, factors into it. But I think at this point, when you know you're maybe in the last uh, phase of your career, and and I don't think that uh, Sebastian is uh, washed up or old uh, by any uh, uh, you know stretch of the imagination in Formula One. I mean, he's still only in his early 30s. I mean, he could uh, race in Formula One had he, uh, you know, should he want to for a good number of years yet. However, I think, uh, you know, he, he's got less years left in Formula One in front of him than say he does uh, behind him. So to, to take too much of a cut, and I mean, his his legacy that he's going to leave it to Ferrari, unless he has a magnificent 2020 and, and manages to win the world championship. And then, boy, would that complicate the story <laughs> to tell his legacy uh, even more so afterwards. But um, I mean, right now, uh, as it stands here in the, 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 you know, the first half of the year 2020, I mean, boy, his his legacy there really is mixed, isn't it? I mean, there certainly were some glorious moments. I mean, the highs were really high and the lows were really low. And if uh, he does end up, uh, you know, not claiming the title this year, and of course it is not a foregone conclusion, nobody knows how things are actually going to go once we we get to racing at some point uh, uh, this summer. But still, I mean, when you look at it now, if uh, if if he'd already walked away from Ferrari today, then we could say, yeah, well, I mean, the opportunity was at its closest in in 2018. But I think that after the summer break, when things started evening out, and Lewis Hamilton and and, and Sebastian were really close in the World Championship. And then they came back from the the um, uh, the, the summer break, went to Spa, and uh, Vettel just straight up uh, beat Hamilton uh, for that uh, that victory there. And I mean, he it was uh, it was an impressive uh, performance by Seb. I mean, he flat out uh, beat him, and uh, and handily, uh, you know, he kept him at arm's length, and there was nothing Lewis could do that uh, that afternoon. To, to take that uh, race away from them. But, you know, a couple of weeks later, they head down to uh, to Monza for the Italian Grand Prix. Lap one, you know, 
they have a, a coming together and and Vettel uh, you know suffers uh, more for that and that was that whole thing too with uh, you know the the order and qualifying and uh, Kimmy got the toe he gets the pole and so uh, Vettel ends up uh, you know maybe not optimally uh, positioned on the track because you have to think that uh, you know the the Ferraris did have the edge that uh, that weekend in terms of speed and performance and uh it was just to look like it was going to be one of the the, the red cars that were going to be on a uh, pole position but uh, Tim, Kimmy just getting the, the the benefit of the toe uh you know helped him uh, just uh, eke out that little bit of an advantage that he needed but anyways i mean that that for me was in retrospect, at the time, it was just another instance, but uh, certainly from from that point uh, on, it uh, started to go slowly but surely downhill. And by the time it was over and done with, I mean, Lewis had um, really sewn up that uh, that championship uh, by uh, a fair margin. And uh, that uh, that first half, maybe not quite two-thirds of the year, maybe two-thirds of the year, it uh, really looked like it was a, a good opportunity or as good as that uh, Vettel was going to get uh, to challenge for it. And and certainly, if he ends up uh, walking away at the end of this year without having claimed a world title for Ferrari, uh, either for himself or helping uh, win a Constructors' Championship uh, for the team, then you could really look at uh, 2018 as the, the the closest that he came and the uh, the uh, the opportunity that uh, slipped through his fingers. Anyways, uh, time for a break here on the Overtime Media Network. Don't go away. We'll be back in just a moment. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right. Well, welcome back to the show. And yes, we're going to stick with Ferrari and uh, the news of uh, Sebastian Vettel leaving and Carlos Sainz coming in to take his seat uh, for 2021. Anyways, uh, Vettel's soon-to-be former teammate, uh, Charles Leclerc, has uh, thanked the four-time uh, world uh, uh, champion for the uh, the lessons that he's learned, despite what he called tense moments over the the, the, the past year. And uh, Charles went on to say that he's never learned so much as I did when uh, racing with uh, Sebastian Vettel. 
Vettel in uh, 2019. Anyways, um, Charles uh, did, uh, like I said earlier, he did uh, sign a, a new five-year deal with Ferrari uh, late last uh, year after having a very, very impressive uh, season with them uh, last year. I mean, he had an impressive rookie season with uh, Alfa Romeo or Sauber uh, Alfa Romeo in in 2018. And I mean, it just at that point it wasn't a question of if. He would make it into a big team, uh, but it was just a, a question of when. And uh, certainly uh, Ferrari um, d- decided to take the plunge and um, uh, boost him up uh, to uh, Ferrari from the Alfa Romeo in favor of uh, Kimi Raikkonen. And, uh, well, I mean, he impressed right away, didn't he? I mean, it, it was one of those um, th- those situations where, I, I mean, a lot more is going to be written by Charles Leclerc for Ferrari, um, you know, over over the, uh, the the years. But, I mean, the the impact he made was uh, was immediate. And I mean, he was challenging. I mean, he should have won in Bahrain last year. If it wasn't for the car and the reliability winning him down, he would have won uh, that race. And uh, he had his opportunities. And uh, I mean, a, a couple of times, um, you know, there was it was a car and the team that let him down. Then he let himself down, uh, obviously, with the the accident that he had in uh, in Baku when he put it into the um, the wall in that really tight, uh, twisty, narrow part of the circuit around by uh, the, the the back of the castle. And I mean, he was mad too. I mean, if you remember the uh, the radio transmission and um, Charles really frustrated saying, oh, I'm so stupid, stupid, and, and you know, really getting on himself. That was one of those uh, opportunities. But hey, he's a young guy. I mean, no question of the the, the, the talent uh, that he has and the speed and the maturity for a young guy too. And I think that's uh, what, uh, what, what really uh, impressed me with uh, Charles Leclerc is that uh, just the complete package that this guy, uh, <laughs> you know, is just uh, looking at... Uh, well, what he did in the in the first uh, you know two years of his career in Formula One, absolutely amazing. I mean, he really does come across. I mean, you look at him; he's like this is a, a really young guy. He's still just a kid, but when you hear him speaking and uh, when you watch him behind the steering wheel, I mean, the the, the maturity and the focus and and the skill and the talent that uh, this guy get, has is immediately obvious uh, to everyone. Anyways, uh, Charles uh, did have to to say uh, in. Uh, on social media, there was a couple of things that he uh, had to say. Uh, but on Twitter, uh, Charles had to say, it has been a huge honor for me to be your teammate. We've had some tense moments on the tracks, some very good ones and some others that didn't end as we both wanted. But there was always respect, even though it wasn't perceived from this uh, way from the outside. Uh, I've never learned so much as uh, I did with you as my teammate. Thank you for everything, Seb. So yeah, I mean, classy from from Charles Leclerc. And I mean, if you're a guy like uh, Charles, you know, your early 20s and uh, you have the benefit of uh, uh, racing uh, with a uh, you know in the same team with a guy like uh, Sebastian Vettel who's uh, won uh, four world championships. Uh, I mean, it seems like it's a, <laughs> a long time ago now. Uh, I mean, considering um, you know th- those are back in the Red Bull days that uh, that's uh, pre uh, turbo hybrid era. So I mean, we're going back uh, you know the 2013 you know 20, 2014 of course was the first year of tur- uh, turbo hybrid cars. So, I mean, it, it's been quite a while since uh, Seb uh, was up there. But, I mean, he's always uh, competed well. And I think uh, that he must have seen the writing on the wall. And that's why I think it's an interesting parallel to draw between Sebastian Vettel deciding to to walk away from Ferrari at the end of this year, much like Danny Ricardo did almost two years ago at uh, at Red Bull. And... Um, and we've talked about it on this show before. I think that Danny Ricardo knew then that uh, even though maybe it wasn't uh, you know publicly stated that Max Verstappen was the number one driver at Red Bull, 
He didn't need to be told. I mean, it was just obvious that uh, they knew that uh, this is uh, this is the guy that uh, that that this team's going to be built around. This is the guy that if uh, we're going to win any titles or we're going to win races, more of them, are, you know, the, the best opportunity is going to come from Max Verstappen. And again, I mean, just like Charles Leclerc, there's no doubting the skill that uh, that that Max uh, Verstappen has as uh, as a race driver. Obviously, a little bit more controversial and uh, maybe uh, a little bit more. Uh, blunt and uh, maybe not quite as uh, I mean Charles is I wouldn't say um timid is a bad word but I mean he's uh, he's he plays his cards uh, close to his chest I mean he's always very reserved very quiet he's not very emotional and uh we we've seen the fiery side of Max Verstappen both inside and outside of the car uh you know many times uh, during his um, brief uh, Formula 1 career I mean uh, <laughs> just ask Esteban Ocon uh you know about Max Verstappen's uh, temper after their uh, incident at the Brazilian Grand Prix a couple of years ago but anyways uh, it, much in that uh, that uh, same sort of theme, I think that uh, perhaps maybe uh, Sebastian Vettel realized uh, the, the the same thing. That uh, just that all these different things that uh, that are going on, not just um, in 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 the team in the sport, but just everything in in, in general. And I think too that maybe uh, some, you know it's just a combination of things. Maybe it was the term of the contract. It was the the the, the value of the contract. Maybe it's Seb being a little bit older now, and uh, you know thinking things a little bit uh, different. Uh, you know priorities change as we get older, as we go through different phases and we in our lives. I mean that's just uh, that's just natural, right? Uh, your priorities in your 30s and your 40s and your 50s are different than they were in your teens and your 20s because you're experiencing different things at different times in your life. But also, I think uh, that uh, that maybe Seb realized too that um, that uh, what with the length of the contract that uh, that Charles was given, that uh, that he is the guy for Ferrari going forward. And I think that um, that's really was evident when he won at Monza last year. I mean, he held off uh, both of the uh, Mercedes cars. I mean, both uh, Bottas and Hamilton had their um, their their goes at him and just uh, couldn't uh, get close enough to to really make a move that uh, that was going to, you know, take the, the the lead of the race away from uh, Charles Leclerc. I mean, that's all for the, the whole engine uh, controversy from Ferrari aside. I mean, the, the fact of the matter is Charles won that race. I mean, that it was he was a rock star for the Tafosi and Ferrari at that moment. And I think from from that point on that um he was the new superstar for Ferrari. That was his team or it is his team. And uh you know, you you got to have the high highs and the low lows. I mean, you have Charles winning that race and on the other side you have uh, Sebastian Vettel who had an early moment in that race where he uh he um you know, he put it off the track and then uh you know, clipped to uh, uh, poor old Lance Stroll when he's coming back onto the track and gets penalized for it. So, you know, it was it was a great day for Charles, not a great day for Sebastian. And I, I think the dynamic, uh, it changed. It just, it tangibly felt different from that point uh, forward because I'd been saying all year long, okay, well, this is the, the, the first year of the two. I mean, Seb, he's the four-time world champion. He's been with the team uh, for a number of years. He's won uh, a bunch of races for them. 
And if, uh, you know, Charles is the heir apparent, then make him go out there and fight for it. And if he has a good year this year, then when we get to 2020, all bets are off and, uh, you know, let them sort it out on the track. Uh, but but for last year, I thought that uh, Seb was rightly the number one driver for that. But even for me and for my point of view, uh, you know, after Monza, I think it uh, had, uh, like I say, it had tangibly changed to that point. And it was uh, Charles Leclerc's uh, team uh, moving on. Anyway, so, so we, we've talked a lot about that. I mean, we will talk more about uh, Sebastian Vettel and uh, his uh, his time at uh, Ferrari. And, uh, you know, things uh, tend to move fast, but I think we have to see how this uh, season plays out and uh, and, and how the results uh, come and, uh, and who does what over the course of the season, when and if it uh, eventually gets uh, going. I should say when, not, uh, not if. Uh, it certainly seems like it's uh, going to happen at some point. Anyways... So we will have that discussion, but uh, for now, let's uh, talk about his uh, replacement, and that's Carlos Sainz. And this went really, really quickly, <laughs> you know, to, to be quite honest. And, and again, uh, I, I think it's very interesting because you have a Ferrari that uh, typically over the years have never really gone the route of uh, young drivers. And uh, here they are. They have two very, very young guys now uh, with um, Carlos Sainz replacing Sebastian Vettel and uh, Charles uh, Leclerc. So anyways, uh, Sainz uh, has signed a two-year with uh, the, the Scuderia. And uh, he had to say in a, in a release, uh, quote, I am very happy that I will be driving for Scuderia Ferrari in 2021. And I'm excited uh, about my future with the team. I still have an important year ahead with McLaren Racing, and I'm really looking forward to going racing again with them this season. End quote. Anyways, uh, Mattia Bonato had to, to say, uh, to, to follow up on that, quote, I'm pleased to announce that Carlos will be jo- joining Scuderia Ferrari from the 2021 championship. With five seasons already behind him, Carlos has proved to be a very talented and has shown that he has the technical ability and the right attributes to make him an ideal fit with our family. We've embarked on a new cycle with the aim of getting to the back of Formula One. It will be a long journey, not without its difficulties, especially given the current financial and regulatory situation, which is undergoing a sudden change and will require this challenge to be tackled in a different way to the recent past. We believe that a driver pairing with the talent and personality of Charles and Carlos, the the youngest in the past 50 years of the Scuderia, will be the best possible combination to help us reach the goals we have set ourselves, end quote. So there's a couple of things there that I think um, are very interesting, and I just uh, touched on it briefly. Obviously, the the pairing of two extremely young drivers, the the youngest pairing that Ferrari has had in uh, basically since their their history in Formula One. And uh, I... I like it because I think that uh, they're willing to do what they think is best to get back to, to Formula One. And not to take anything away from uh, Sebastian Vettel and also Kimi Raikkonen that uh, that was uh, his teammate for a good number of years. But I think in having two young drivers um, in, in Carlos Sainz and, uh, and Charles Leclerc, I think um, they're going to be a little bit more aggressive. I think that there's going to be... I think they're going to be fighting a little bit harder. And when you look back a couple of years, and and Kevin and I talked about it a lot uh, over the the past several years when it was uh, Vettel and Raikkonen that... It was just a, a fact of life that uh, that that Vettel was just naturally a little bit faster than Kimi Raikkonen, and and Kimi just his his second stint with Ferrari was obviously disappointing. I mean, he he won a world championship with them over a decade ago, and. Of course, coming back to the the, the team, you know, he's in the latter stages of his career. I mean, 
obviously it's a maybe a, a bit of a stretch. I mean, he was always going there as a number two driver, right? I think, and, and that's supposed to be the point. But the thing was that uh, he wasn't able to really push uh, Sebastian Vettel enough. I mean, and, and Vettel, like I say, he's had his moments, good and bad, but he has had a lot of good moments. Uh, Ferrari won, uh, what is it, 14 races for them. I mean, it's obviously the uh, you know bit of a dry spell. I mean, and one in Singapore last year, but I mean uh, before that, I mean over the, the the course of 2016, 2017, 2018. I mean, once he'd really settled in at Ferrari, I think he he definitely had some very good races and 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 won some big uh, big races for them. And that's that's why I say I mean his legacy is going to mix because there's a lot of uh, a lot of blemishes in and a lot of uh, moments where he's probably not going to look at uh, back at them and say yeah that's not the best uh, that's not the best version of me and I think uh, many of us will uh, agree with that but uh, anyways I mean uh, what you you didn't have in the pairing of um, uh, of uh, Riken and Vettel really pushing each other I think you're really going to to, to get that with the, the the two young guys in Sainz and uh, and and Charles Leclerc and I think that uh, will really um, I think it will benefit Ferrari and I mean it is a complete change in the way that uh, they, they they go about uh, getting the drivers because I mean they could basically they can get any driver they want right I mean it, it, it's not a question of uh, you know uh, can they afford it it's just like well how much uh, do you want and we'll drive a dump truck load of money up and dump it in the the, the front door of your house I mean um, money isn't the issue for these guys but the other thing I thought um, that that the other important takeaway was it um, was that. Bernardo, I think, let one thing slip that that really stuck out, and he, I'll I'll just read it again, where he says, "quote We've embarked on a new cycle with the aim of getting back to the top in Formula One. It will be a long journey, not without its difficulties, especially given the current financial and regulatory situation." Now, long journey. So I think that that is interesting. And I, I think that uh, we know that, uh, that Charles is going to be a good driver. And we, uh, Carlos Sainz is going to be, well, I mean, he's got something to prove there. And anyways, I realize uh, now that we're coming up on a break. So rather than get into that discussion right now, I'm just going to break away for a, uh, just a moment here for a word from our sponsor. So don't go away. We'll discuss this just on the other side. So we'll be right back. All right. Well, welcome back to the show. And yes, just uh, talking about that uh, interesting bit uh, of uh, revelation, I think is the uh, <laughs> the right word to use in the rebuilding of uh, Ferrari from uh, Matias Bonato's own mouth uh, earlier this week and talking about the, uh, the the announcement of the signing, the addition of Carlos Sainz in 2021 and the, the new cycle and the aim of getting back to the top in Formula One. It will be a long journey, not without its difficulties. So I think obviously um, Charles and, uh, and, and Carlos being younger guys will have things to learn as they, uh, they, they mature and grow as drivers. That for me, I think, is a little bit of a, a lesser known quantity. I, I think that uh, Charles really matured a lot over the course of uh, 2019. I mean, he, for me, he's always been a, a very mature driver. I mean, like I said, I mean, he's, he's had a couple of moments here and there, but uh, nothing that uh, that would really really made me shake my head and go, what's this guy doing in Formula One? Not by that, by a long shot. And, and Carlos Sainz, like I was saying earlier in the show, I think that this guy... 
was maybe one of the guys that uh, snuck under the radar a little bit last year, maybe one of the the underrated drivers in Formula One in 2019, because I think that uh, McLaren obviously is going in the right direction. I mean, they've been uh, appointing the right people off the track uh, for for quite some time now. I mean, uh, you look at uh, the, you know the the people that are running the show now. Uh, you know, go from uh, from Zach Brown to Team Principal um, uh, Andreas Seidel. All the way on down from from there, and I mean uh, the, the the car that they had last year, the the uh, the 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 engines that they have, the Renaults, it is just really working. And I mean they're going to, to Mercedes power, uh, and that's coming up as well. So I mean there's a lot of good things happening with this team, but even last year there was a real step in the right uh, direction that uh, they they started to pull away from other teams in the midfield, and I mean they're still a long way off uh, from podiums, but they're going in the right uh, direction, and uh, a lot. Uh, had to, um, you know, you have to give the two drivers, uh, Carlos Sainz and Lando Norris, a lot of credit for that. And uh, Carlos, uh, having, I think, that a little bit more experience in Formula One compared to Lando, who was just a rookie in 2019, I think uh, was, uh, he, I think he was just in the right place at the right time. Because it was really good to see McLaren, not just, uh, you know, getting out of Q1, but also getting into Q3 quite a bit, you know, a lot of double points finishes and a lot of good results uh, for them. I, I know that uh, the Carlos may be a little bit of a lucky bene- beneficiary to get their first podium, McLaren's first podium in six years, what with the, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the penalty that was given uh, to uh, uh, Lewis Hamilton at the Brazilian Grand Prix for that uh, you know l- little uh, argy bargy that he had with uh, with uh, Alexander Albon but hey it's a podium <laughs> at the end of the day you know what did he really lose out on and that was uh, being able to to go up and uh, celebrate uh, on the on the podium with uh, with the other two drivers but still it counts it is a P3 and uh, it, it was maybe a little bit later than uh, they would have liked to have seen but it still counts and that's the important thing Anyway, so you know now he's he's got to build on that season, take it over to to Ferrari. So for me, Charles Leclerc is the the lesser, I'd say, variable in that uh, that that equation. I think that uh, we, we've got a good indication of what uh, what Charles is capable of now, and uh, I, I think now it's just watching what uh, what Carlos Sainz uh, can do and what he can uh, bring over to, uh, to to Ferrari. So it's it's going to be fascinating uh, to watch when they uh you know these two guys uh, start uh, getting uh you know on on the track in the same car starting in uh, 2021 but now let let's talk a little bit uh, again about uh, Sebastian Vettel now that we've talked about him leaving the team signs coming in so so where does he go now and well, Checo Perez from uh, Racing Point uh, believes that uh, Sebastian Vettel is probably closer to uh, retirement from uh, F1 rather than uh, going to another team. Obviously, with uh, Danny Ricardo moving over from Renault to, um, to to McLaren for 2021, that takes out uh, an attractive option uh, there. Who knows if uh, Vettel would like to to go to um, uh, you know to, to Renault? Uh, Red Bull have just said that uh, he's too expensive. We'll talk about that uh, in. in middle or sorry in a minute but uh Perez uh he was speculating and uh you know he was uh, quite forthcoming about it but uh, he had to say quote we heard things that uh, maybe uh, were not going well both sides not feeling as the years before I think that uh, Leclerc factor has uh, been a key there 
Their bet for the future is clearly this young driver's done an incredible first season with the team, and I think from that you could see many other things stem. Maybe during this lockdown he has realized many things and has served him to reflect. It will depend on how much he wants it. His options continue to uh, could be McLaren maybe, but I doubt it. Uh, it could probably be his last year in F1. I see him closer to retirement than to a different team, but uh, we don't know. I speak more as a fan. I don't exactly know what's going on through his mind, end quote. Quote. Yeah, good point. And uh, obviously, the, the, this was um, an interview that uh, that uh, Checo gave uh, earlier this week uh, before uh, Sainz um, and, and and Ricardo and everybody started moving around. But it is interesting uh, just to, to to hear the opinion of a, a, a fellow Formula One driver that maybe has. Well, obviously, he knows a little bit more, and, and here's a little bit more news behind the scenes. Uh, obviously, Vettel hasn't come out to, to say out and out that he's going to retire after after 2021, but interesting uh, to get uh, Checo Perez's uh, take on it uh, nonetheless. Anyways, uh, just uh, like I was saying uh, just now, um, uh, Dr. Helmut Marko, uh, he says that um, that there is no room for Sebastian Vettel alongside uh, Max Verstappen at Red Bull in uh, 2021. And uh, it, it basically comes down to any, and salary just makes it uh, an impossible uh, move. And uh, and uh, uh, Marco said it's a, it's a non-topic uh, for the team. It's just uh, not going to happen, not just for the team, but also for the, the, the parent uh, Red Bull company as uh, well. Anyways, uh, Marco told Sky Germany uh, earlier this week, uh, uh, quote, for very simple monetary reasons, we can't afford two such top stars. My statement was no to V's at Red Bull Racing, the that we don't want to afford financially and we can't afford it either, end quote. So there you go. It uh, it would have been uh, kind of uh, easy uh, or I think exciting to see him uh, uh, partnering up uh, with uh, with Max Verstappen, but <laughs> that might be kind of a difficult one. I, I mean, these guys have a bit of a history uh, t- together. They've had uh, several comings uh, together over the, 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 the past uh, couple of years, so certainly that probably factored into the uh, equation as well. So... <clears throat> Now the interesting one. Total Wolf, team principal at uh, Mercedes, says that they have to consider or take Vettel's exit from uh, Ferrari into consideration uh, for for next year because Valtteri Bottas, who is uh, he's been good for uh, Mercedes, not great, but I'd say he's good. I mean, he gets them a lot of points. He helps uh, contribute to, to winning the constructors' championships as he's uh, done for the past uh, couple of years. And I think that, uh, you know, from the, the, the point of view from uh, Lewis Hamilton, he's the ideal teammate because he's quick, he helps the team, but he's not necessarily pushing him and uh, getting in his way and uh, and, and really being, uh, you know, getting under his skin a little bit because it's just not the same between uh, Bottas and Hamilton as it was between Rosberg and Hamilton. We don't need to go back over that because I dredge that one up uh, occasionally here on the show, almost uh, ad nauseum. But, I mean, he's a good teammate, but, you know, is he the long-term guy to stay with uh, with uh, Mercedes? And that is a great question. I mean, on one side, it really makes you wonder, because if they really saw him as the guy to be there for a long term, then why would they not have given him a multi-year deal a couple of years ago? I mean, he's been there since uh, 2017 after um, Nico Rosberg shocked the the Formula One world retiring uh, about a week after winning his championship and uh, and and Bottas has done well but he's always been there on a one-year deal and 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 this year is no exception so 
it it just kind of really makes me wonder to a certain extent, and I'm sure this has gone through uh, the the mind of uh, many people, probably Valtteri Bottas himself, that even though he's done well for the team, why is he just getting one-year deals? Is he just keeping the seat warm in case uh, somebody better comes along, somebody more attractive? I mean, I don't want to take anything away from him. I think he's a very good driver. I mean, he's good for a couple of wins here and there occasionally, but... He hasn't really been able to push Lewis on a on a consistent basis for whatever reason. Either you know he's just not quite quick enough. I mean, he on a, on occasion he's he's proven that he is very quick and uh, and and he has been able to uh, outrace and outpace uh, Lewis Hamilton and and win races on occasions and and finish in front of him, even though he somebody else may have won a race as well. Anyways, the 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 point is that um, that uh, that Toto. Uh, has to keep that in consideration. Anyways, he had to say, quote, Sebastian is a great driver, a major personality, and an asset to any Formula One team. When looking to the future, our first loyalties lie with the current Mercedes drivers. But naturally, we must take this development into consideration, end quote. So there you go. Uh, I, I think that it uh, he puts it uh, out there and it kind of sums it up uh, neatly. But at the end of the day, whereas Red Bull says that um, that bringing uh, Vettel on board would just basically be uh, cost prohibitive and it's uh, not going to happen because it's just going to be way too expensive for them, Mercedes, obviously like a, a team like Ferrari, have um, unlimited funds and they, they, they can basically pay whatever they want uh, for a driver if they can come to an, an agreement on a dollar figure. So it's, um, it is interesting because, uh, you know, I, I guess now that uh, Carlos Sainz is uh, confirmed at uh, Ferrari for the next two years, that's basically put paid on, um, you know, any speculation that, that Lewis Hamilton uh, might go to uh, Ferrari and finish his career there. Unless he stays there with uh, Mercedes for another two years and decides to go there, say, for, for 2023. You know, it could happen, but um, maybe not so much. Uh, when you hear what uh, Matteo Bonato was saying earlier in uh, when we were talking about uh, Carlos science they're they're looking towards the future so getting lewis in his late 30s i mean i'm not going to take away anything from from lewis because i mean this guy has never showed any sign of uh, slowing down at any point uh, in his career at any age but you know you gotta you know it, it's going to catch up with him eventually so he's going to have to decide um, you know when he's had enough and when he decides to uh, to walk away from the the the, the, the sport but you know, at least for now, the, I think that speculation of Hamilton to Ferrari is uh, is a done deal. So the next question is, who races beside uh, uh, Lewis Hamilton for the next couple of years? Obviously, this year it's going to be uh, uh, Valtteri Bottas, but next year, good question, and uh, it would be probably just as shocking if uh, Sebastian Vettel went there for next year. If uh, you know they can't uh, you know come to a deal with uh, with Valtteri Bottas, or they just think maybe he's the guy to be there. Of course, having a, a German driver in a German car, you know, got to think about it. You got to put it out there, right? Anyways, enough talk about uh, Sebastian Vettel. Enough talk about uh, Ferrari. Let's talk about uh, maybe the, the the one guy that's been a little bit, but not quite uh, forgotten in all of this, and that is the Honey Badger, Danny Ricardo, leaving Renault after a couple of seasons, uh, going to join McLaren for 2021 to replace Carlos Sainz. <clears throat> 
And again, very much like the the whole science to Ferrari thing and the Vettel leaving Ferrari thing, this one happened uh, pretty quickly as as well. I mean, a lot of the other drivers were all locked down. And again, just to finish off that uh, other thought about uh, Lewis Hamilton, obviously that that old talk about going to Ferrari is done. So now it's just a question of uh, when is Lewis going to sign a new contract? And we'll talk a little bit about that uh, after we talk about uh, Danny Rick. Anyways, uh, McLaren has been apparently was keen on uh, getting Ricardo uh, into their team for for quite a while, and uh, actually approached him a couple of years ago when uh, he was um, you know deciding what to do in 2018. Obviously, uh, decided to move from uh, Red Bull to, uh, to 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 Renault, and <clears throat> that was always going to be a bit of a, a risky move. And I think that. Uh, now, I don't want to suggest that Danny Ricardo was going to jump ship at uh, at the first opportunity, but it's let's be fair. Moving from Red Bull to Renault was always going to be a bit of a, a risky move. I mean, they had been slowly improving and getting things um, going in the right direction after they took over Lotus uh, several years ago now, but it was always going to be risky for Danny Ricardo because they'd have to go from being, um, you know, a, a middle of the pack, maybe in the bottom half of the teams to more of a Red Bull type of uh, uh, stature in uh, in Formula One. And Last year and the year before, they they just they they've I don't want to say that they've peaked, but certainly they've plateaued, and they just haven't had the um, the, the forward momentum, and it it's been a bit disappointing and frustrating to watch because I mean this is a team that that historically has won championships in Formula One as both a manufacturer and as an engine supplier, so I mean they they know how to they know how to win, right? So you could also see where as, uh, you know, he might be leaving the situation at Red Bull where there's a team that was being built and focused around Max Verstappen, that uh, he would be going to a team that had a lot of potential to move up and, you know, had the possibility that he could be the number one guy there. Anyways, we'll talk about that in a little bit more detail as we break away here for the very last time on the show this week. So stick around. Lots more to talk about here on the Overtime Media Network on the Scootery Half One podcast. So don't go away. Yes, well, welcome back to the show as we start to wind it up and wrap it up slowly for this week. And just going back to the thoughts about Danny Ricardo before the break there. And yeah, well, I mean, you could see like uh, moving from Red Bull to uh, Renault that uh, he was in a position that he could be the number one guy there. And I don't know if he really established himself as a number uh, one guy there with uh, Nico Hulkenberg again last year. They kind of seemed on an equal kind of footing there. But it was, again, it was a disappointing year from uh, Renault. They, they, they were they were fourth in the world uh, championship in the constructors the year before, but last year they just didn't get it right, even though they added more uh, people uh, to the to the team and on the factory side, and uh, they had more budget it just wasn't working out and it was very interesting you know in that first season of um, sorry f1 uh, drive to survive on uh, netflix when you saw that whole behind the scenes thing of the the whole danny ricardo situation uh, unraveling you know you had uh, some really interesting uh, moments you know uh, danny ricardo talking you had uh, christian horner talking to ricardo talking to ricardo's parents you had surreal abitabool team principal of uh, renault everybody kind of like weighing in and uh, you know having digs at each other, especially when uh, after uh, uh, Ricardo had been confirmed by Red Bull, or sorry, uh, confirmed by Renault for 2019, and just the smug look on uh, on Abitabool's uh, face and a lot of those things. I mean, it was gold. It was fun to watch. 
But again, uh, just uh, disappointing uh, that uh, that they haven't done it. And of course, when you see the the good things that uh, McLaren are doing, and that's not to say that Renault is not going to be better this year or or, or next year. But uh, again, the the timing is interesting that uh, that um, Ricardo decides to move from Renault to uh, McLaren. Obviously, McLaren. Again, very much like Renault, has <laughs> been very successful in uh, in Formula One, but those glory years uh, of them winning races, of uh, winning championships, seems like a long, long, long time ago. I mean, uh, unfortunately for uh, people in in recent memory, I think we're we're going to think more of the Alonso, Honda, McLaren years, and just uh, how bad some of those results were, and how unreliable the engine was, and just how disappointing the car was even though uh, McLaren themselves said that the, the the problem wasn't in the chassis it wasn't in the car it was just with the engine and then you know doing it about face and having to eat some humble pie and admitting yeah well it wasn't the um, the engine or solely the engine after all that uh, the, the car that we designed and built just wasn't as good as we thought it was anyways slowly but surely they've been uh, been moving forward and uh, they are going back to uh, Mercedes power I mean McLaren Mercedes rolls off the tongue nicely brings back uh, some fond memories of the years with uh, say Mika Hakkinen and uh, and Kimi Raikkonen and um, you know some some wonderful beautiful uh, cars and uh, very competitive cars as well so you can see why uh, Danny Ricardo would uh, want to but again the timing is interesting why he decided to to jump ship and move over there so quickly uh anyways um Ricardo leaving there uh does uh, kind of change things up uh, a little bit uh, uh, McLaren Racing CEO Zach Brown had to say quote signing Daniel is another step forward in our long-term plan and will bring an exciting new dimension to the team alongside Lando this is good news for our team, partners, and of course, our fans. I also want to pay, pay tribute to Carlos for this excellent job he's been doing for McLaren in helping our performance recovery plan. He is a real team player. We wish him well for his future beyond McLaren. Daniel is a proven race winner and his experience, commitment, and energy will be a valuable addition to McLaren and our mission to return to the front of the field. And that was uh, from uh, the, the mouth of uh, team principal Andreas Seidel. So, you know, a, again, I mean, I, I think it's a good fit uh, for them, uh, for him to to, uh, to to move over there. And uh, even though it, it is interesting, too, because McLaren had apparently already uh, started talks uh, about a new contract uh, with Carlos uh, Sainz, but uh, obviously... If a big team like uh, Ferrari comes knocking, it's going to be uh, very difficult um, <laughs> for for somebody not to uh, to answer that call. Anyways, um, surreal, a beatable team principal at uh, Renault has uh, stressed uh, what he called the uh, importance of unity and commitment after he uh, confirmed uh, Danny Ricardo leaving the, the team at the at the end of the, the, the season. Anyways, uh, he had to say, quote, within the unprecedented context of the 2020 season, discussions held with the Daniel Ricardo concerning a renewal of his contract beyond the end of 2020 have not been successful. In our sport, particularly with the current extraordinary situation, reciprocated confidence, unity and commitment are more than ever critical value for a works team. I am confident that the 2020 season will allow us to accomplish even more together. Our ambitions and the strategy of the Renault DP World F1 team remain unchanged. End quote. So it is uh, interesting that that this, I don't know if it's a snide remark, but it it is kind of a... 
I think is a little bit of a poke at uh, Danny Ricardo. Uh, obviously, they they thought that they could do uh, do certain things and accomplish certain things uh, together, and I think uh, he's just indicating his um, his disappointment that uh, that that uh, Ricardo is leaving after only uh, two seasons. So, I mean, I, I'm not going to. Uh, call Danny Ricardo out. I don't think he's just going to sit there and kind of go through the motions and phone it in all this uh, season, but it's going to be a weird dynamic. I mean, we've all been in that situation, right? You've uh, given your notice at your job to your boss and uh, your your two weeks or whatever it is. You've already got a new job lined up or whatever. <laughs> you just know that uh, that you're going to be out of there in a couple of weeks or a month, whatever it might be. And the the dynamic it changes. It's it's different. You still might go up and, and work hard and do your best, but it, it is a different uh, situation. Knowing in a very short amount of time you're going to be out that uh, front door and on to, uh, to to different things. So that that will be an interesting uh, situation uh, to to watch uh, all three of these guys, Vettel, uh, Ricardo, and Carlos Sainz uh, this year as uh, they all uh, compete in the Formula One World Championship and uh, as they go on to to new teams. I I think that, um, you know, out of all three of them, I I, I think that... uh, I don't see any issues really with either Science or Vettel, uh, just uh, based on the relationship that they have with their teams. But I'm just kind of getting the the, the vibe from uh, Abita Bull, especially after uh, what he said, that I think it might be a little bit awkward uh, between Danny Ricardo and the rest of the Renault boys there uh, this year. Anyways, uh, th- this is an interesting one that kind of uh, snuck out uh, in the news this year, in the, or, sorry, this week, pardon me, uh, that uh, didn't really get as uh, much uh, attention and, and maybe rightly so, considering all the other news that was uh, going on. But uh, Lewis Hamilton, six-time world champion, said he's admitted uh, or admitted quite openly that he's considered taking a break uh, from Formula One and um, taking a, a bit of a sabbatical. Uh, but uh, he's, uh, you know, he's trying to make the most of the, uh, the what he's calling a part sabbatical now uh, that, uh, that we're all kind of going through, what with this whole COVID-19 nightmare. Anyways, he said in a, a Mercedes uh, interview, quote, I'm generally a very quiet person and I do enjoy me time. And I think it's really important for all of us to have that. I'm a workaholic. And once you get into the rhythm and you're just moving from one thing to the next, squeezing in training and making sure you find that balance. There have been times probably in the past five years or so that I thought to myself, it would be good for my body and my mind to take a rest for a year. But you can't step away. I don't think uh, for an athlete that's in their prime that it's ever a good thing to step away for a year and then come back. Technology moves so fast at such a rate you need to stay on top of this car and the development to take a sabbatical is just not on the cards. But we've been handed almost a part sabbatical, which I'm enjoying and I feel fresher and healthier than I have ever been. And the struggle for everyone is keeping your mind clear, end quote. And yeah, I mean, I can understand, well, I can understand because I'm not in that situation, but, you know, it. it I can see that, uh, you know, the, the pressure that these guys are, are, are under. I mean, I've seen it uh, with, uh, you know, from the, the professional soccer side, uh, obviously a lot different than from Formula One, but I mean, the focus that uh, that the players, elite players put in at the top levels, I mean, that it's it's a huge uh, commitment. I mean, it's their, their whole life, uh, you know, what they do. I mean, the rest of us, we go in, uh, we do the nine to five thing, we go home, but I mean, for, for them, I mean, they 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 invest all of it uh, they they really put it, put it all out there and it, it's got to be tempted. I mean, there, there's going to be good days and bad days. And I mean, um, you know, when you look at Lewis, six-time world champion, and um, you know, closing in on uh, you know being the uh, the the, uh, the the record holder for all the uh, the worthy records in Formula One, uh, and he might get them all before he's done in the sports. 
you know, we we just tend to think, well, you know, when you're winning and you're you're accomplishing too much, I mean, is there really such a bad thing as a or a thing as such a, a as a bad day for Lewis Hamilton? And well, maybe not so much a bad day, but it's obviously got to be very very mentally tiring. I mean, to to really focus and stay on top and really be at your peak, uh, both in and out of the car and uh, yeah, in, in inside and outside of race situations. I mean, that really must take a huge mental toll. And not to say that I think that, uh, that Lewis Hamilton is, uh, you know, mentally or um, not strong on the mental side of the game. I mean, anything but. I think that uh, from, from that, uh, you know, that focus point of view, the, 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 the part, the mental aspect of Formula One, I don't think there's many people out there that uh, that, that really have that level of uh, game like uh, like Lewis Hamilton does. So it, it is an interesting admission that uh, that he says that he's thought about it. I, I'm sure that uh, that they all have at some point, all these guys in, in Formula One, but uh, again, I mean, uh, he is right. I mean, technology moves so quick, and in Formula One, it, I mean, it, it it does change so quickly. I mean, it really is phenomenal how that uh, a, a car from that that's just a year old is uh, you know completely technologically uh, obsolete when the you know the new cars roll out for a, for a brand new season. So, you know, it's got to be a little bit scary though when you see when when he talks about uh, how he's been enjoying the the, the part sabbatical that uh, that that he's enjoying uh, due to the COVID uh, shutdown. He says he feels fresher and healthier than ever. So, you know, if you're uh, one of those uh, 19 other drivers that has to, um, you know, face off against uh, Lewis Hamilton on a Sunday afternoon in uh, in a Grand Prix, that's got to be something that uh, is making you think, oh, crap. <laughs> you know, Lewis, I mean, on, on his game, I mean, there's nobody better. And if uh, he's coming in feeling uh, 100% fit in mind and body, that's uh that that's going to be a real concern for for all of their rivals. Anyways, a, a couple more items of the news here. Uh, British Grand Prix's uh, hopes of going ahead have uh, really been boosted um, in the in the news that have uh, come out uh, by the the UK government's plan to resume live sport uh, next month. So this is all uh, on the, uh, the the heels of uh, Prime Minister Boris Johnson's uh, address last Sunday night and Monday of this week. They issued a fifty page document uh, on how they're going to ease the lockdown down measurements uh, in the coming weeks and months in the, the United Kingdom. And the second phase of this plan includes uh, what they call permitting cultural and sporting events to take place behind closed doors for broadcast while avoiding the risk of large-scale social contact. So it does not come into effect until June 1st of this year at the very earliest, but it has aided and uh, helped the, the, the chances of uh, getting the British uh, Grand Prix behind uh, closed doors this year. So let's hope that this um, happens. Obviously, uh, health and safety for everyone comes first, but uh, certainly that um, that that is a step in the right uh, direction. So. Um, looking ahead now to 2021, um, there are three Grand Prix that um, that are on, or sorry, that are not on the uh, the, the schedule for next year. That is, the Dutch, Canadian, and Singapore Grand Prix are all missing from the latest uh, iteration, the latest version of the uh, the schedule for 2021. And uh, apparently, all three look to be officially canceled at uh, some spa- uh, at some spade excuse me, at some stage. So 
The Australian, Monaco, and French events have been formally called off for, for 2021. Um, so apparently, uh, Formula One is still on uh, in, in talks with uh, with all the venues, uh, with some of the tracks expecting to be paid uh, for uh, behind uh, closed door races. And um, so we'll we'll see what happens. Um, and sorry, I, I was um, saying Australian, Monaco, and French Grand Prix have been uh, officially called off for for, for 2021. So um, I'm getting my 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 years and dates. So it's Holland, Canada, and Singapore are missing from the 2020 schedule, not 2021. Um, anyway, so there's a lot of things uh, going on. Um, the, the the Dutch Grand Prix is uh, going to be postponed until next year. Hopefully, uh, there's going to be a, uh, a vaccine in place, uh, which is what uh, they're saying uh, at uh, at uh, Sanford. So here we go. The potential 2020 Formula One calendar will start July 5th with Austria. Um, we'll have two races there on the 5th and 12th. Uh, 26 could be um, the, the British Grand Prix, potentially uh, Hockenheim uh, for a German Grand Prix as a you know an alternative. So the the first two uh, the first four races of the year will be in Austria and um, and at Silverstone. The second one at Silverstone will be uh, on August 2nd, followed by Hungary, Spain, Belgium. Then we get in September with uh, Italy, Azerbaijan, uh, Russia on September 27th. Then October 4th, going to the Shanghai International Circus for the Chinese Grand Prix. October 11th, uh, Japan. October 25th, the U.S. Grand Prix at the Circuit of Americas, just outside of Austin, Texas. Um, then we get into November, and uh, the, we're getting really late in the year by the time we get here. We got Mexico, Brazil, Vietnam, and uh, Bahrain at uh, to, to round off um, in the the end of uh, November on the 29th, and then we'll have on December 6th a second Bahrain Grand Prix, and then wrap it up at the traditional season closer at the uh, Abu Dhabi Grand Prix at the Yas Marina Circuit. So there, there's a lot of things going on. I, I don't think it's a, a real surprise. I mean, uh, Monaco said uh, that they just uh, were going to cancel flat out uh, front uh, the. French Grand Prix was cancelled, and uh, also uh, Austria, Australia just uh, wasn't going to get um, uh, get off the ground again after it was done. So, um, Canada not really a surprise that uh, that that wouldn't happen. Uh, I mean, um, it, it seemed like the sweet spot for that was uh, going to be always at the uh, the, the beginning of June around its uh, traditional uh, time frame. Probably not going to be possible to to do it at the end of the year. Disappointing. It's always one of my favorite races. Obviously, uh, favorite race, uh, home race uh, for me. Dutch Grand. Pre a little bit up in the air, but that's uh, no news because they haven't been very keen to do it. Um, you know, ever since this uh, whole potential of having closed door races. So, anyways, what we'll see what uh, what what happens over the coming weeks or months. But you know, that is a, a fairly hefty schedule. I like the idea of uh, doubling up at some of these venues like Bahrain, uh, Silverstone, and uh, the Red Bull Ring, or potentially Hockenheim. So we'll wait and see what uh, what what happens. Uh, certainly, there's a lot of things going on, and this uh, could and probably will change uh, before it uh, is all said and done. Anyways. Um, I'm going to wrap it up there. We're, we're at our usual about hour long uh, show length uh, for this week. So just uh, let's wrap it up. And again, I think, uh, well, this is a first. I think this is the first time that we've uh, had a show in the past couple of months where we haven't uh, really talked about a lot of doom and gloom. And the focus is uh, back again on what it should be in Formula One. Talking about the teams, talking about the cars, talking about the drivers. And uh, let's just hope that this whole COVID nightmare starts to sort itself out. And uh, let's hope that we're on the downswing and we can get this thing under control. 
wherever we are in all four corners of the world. Anyways, that's it for this week. Thanks for downloading and listening. You want to get in touch, send me a tweet on Twitter at ScuderiaF1Pod or email me at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Take care of yourselves and we'll talk again next week. Ciao. for listening to the Scuderia F1 podcast. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, then head over to ScuderiaF1pod.com. Want to get in touch with us? Then email us at ScuderiaF1pod at gmail.com.